0: hi everybody gary wilkerson here you've joined us on the gary wilkerson podcast really blessed to have you with us here today we've been having some amazing times over the last few weeks months uh, speaking about the attributes of god we're going to take a little bit of a shift in course here today and talk about a pertinent issue if you're a teenager or a young adult or parent concerned about some of the issues that your teens are facing um, you'll want to listen to this today as i speak to my own son and apologist and a true student of the word theologian my son evan wilkerson was here with us today, and we're going to talk about some really in-depth issues, uh, uh, some questions uh, that are going through the minds of many. When Evan first talked to me about a ministry that he was wanting to launch called Faith Answers, he shared with me that um, some of the apologists that are out there today, some of the great apologists, Ravi Zacharias and others, that uh, speak to important issues, that they were uh, their audience was somewhat of a, more of a college or older audience. And some of the issues that, and some of the questions that were once being answered in the university level now are going down to the high school and even the middle school level sixth and seventh graders asking questions about gender, asking questions about all kinds of different issues about uh, creation. And so uh, Evan launched this ministry called Faith Answers. It's under the umbrella of the ministry that I work with as well called World Challenge. And um, Evan was with us once before. He, shared, he was sharing his testimony about how he had gone through drugs and alcohol and <clears throat> living a, a, just a, a reckless prodigal son life and how Jesus brought him back and now in full-time ministry. Couldn't be more prouder of <clears throat> all my children. And my son Evan is certainly included in that crowd of people that I'm so, so proud of. And uh, his podcast that he did with us about uh, <clears throat> dealing with family addictions it uh, was, I think, our second highest ever watched podcast. Over 10,000 people viewed that. So, Evan, you were talking about an issue, obviously, that was certainly important uh, to people. And you're going to do that again today. And I think we're going to help a lot of people um, who are maybe struggling in their faith, uh, wrestling with certain issues, and that the Bible and the Holy Spirit has answers. So welcome, Evan. Glad you're here with us today. Happy yeah, morning. thanks,
1: Dan. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's good to be here.
0: Yeah, thank you. So, um, the, the issues that I was talking about, uh, maybe that again, Ravi Zacharias going onto a college campus speaking to issues, th- those issues, and even for younger audiences, what would you say are the primary things that are being asked that young people are, uh, the young audience is struggling with? The doubts, the things that they are starting to maybe turn away from their faith or maybe not even come into a faith because of these uh, things that they say, well, how can I have a faith if that happens? What are the what are the, some of the primary things that are being said today?
1: Yeah, that's interesting that you said that it's um, questions that have been taking place in college campuses, because I've, I've uh, watched a lot of these uh, videos and uh, seen the research of the questions that are being asked in college, and now working with high school students and going to youth groups and and listening to their questions it's amazing how similar the questions are that there isn't much of a disconnect between the questions that teenagers are asking at a younger age and then these uh college level students uh who are getting all of these challenges by you know say atheist professors and this secular worldview Um, yeah it's
0: kind of sorry to interrupt but it's kind of scary when you know for a parent or even a you know young student uh just to begin to think that, you know, those were issues you didn't have to face till you went off to college campus. Now now you're facing them in sixth and seventh grade. And, you know, uh, even, even younger, like the, uh, recently there was a thing about a four-year-old that the mother was uh, so proud that the little uh, boy decided he was going to be a girl. Uh, mm, so these are right. things that we're, we're wrestling with at a very, very young age, really important to our uh, to Christendom, to our faith, to the church. Mm-hmm. Uh, that if we don't come up with something to counter what's happening in culture we' we're, we're facing a real uh, continued declension in in the church and therefore once the church declines the society declines even more because there's no mm-hmm. uh, there's no nothing to hinder it from or, or bless it to become what God wants it to be so mm-hmm. again going back to those questions then so the, the younger audiences are facing these issues and what are they
1: Uh, so we have, uh, the main questions that I, that I usually get, um, actually surprisingly revolve around the Bible, which is Hmm. nice because it means that teenagers are reading their Bible they're in the Bible. They're, they're reading it for themselves, which is a, which is a great thing, but there's a lot of difficult passages that come up with within the Bible of course. And, uh, they want to know, you know, why why God commanded um, the Canaanites to be wiped out and why we see these these uh, difficult kind of weird passages uh, especially within the the Old Testament but sometimes in the New Testament just difficult passages and um, I think that is interesting it plays into I think the fact that um, in, there's a tendency in the church to highlight the the main and and very good passages that build up your faith and are are really good for living out your christian walk but nevertheless you know on the on their own time these teenagers are reading you know passages about um uh, you know there's there's slavery or there's uh again the the canaanites being completely wiped out leave nothing uh alive that breathes and and so There's this doubt that starts to build up with them because they don't know where to take that passage and they they don't really know um, where to go with it. And and so my point in that is, I think, you know, whether it's in the home or whether it's in the church, that we could uh, be with our our teenagers to go over these difficult passages and and not kind of just skip over them, but. when when they come up or if we we want to even bring it up in the church like, hey, this is this is a difficult passage, but we can we can talk about this. There's a reasonable explanation for why God would command, you know, man, women and chi- uh, children to be um, executed in this in this uh, context. And and that way, we're just dealing with these passages head on and and avoiding this whole scenario where. They read something that shakes their faith and then they don't know where to take it. Because um, if I could just sidetrack for a minute, I think that there's uh, a, a hesitancy to bring up doubt, um, especially in, in um, the church, but also in the home. Like if you go to a, a high school group, you know, depending on, on what the, the setting is of that youth group. Uh, it's very unlikely that a high school student will want to bring up doubt that they have because that's where you go You know to show your faith and to show that you're a strong christian um And and so I I think it's really important to be able to Kind of open up this space To allow doubt to allow questions um, Because again, otherwise they're just internalizing it and um this this kind of plays out to When they hit college, you know, there's some kind of statistic between anywhere between 50 to 70% of teens leave the faith once they hit college. But we know that that can't be all of it, that they're not just these solid Christians who hit college and then an atheist professor challenges them and they say, oh, okay, I, I give up on my faith, you know, there's... There's already doubt starting to stir in the, the earlier years, sometimes even elementary, where uh, you see mm-hmm. transgenderism uh, starting to express itself in those those young ages. So uh, yeah. attacking attacking doubt head on, I think, uh, as early as possible is, is really beneficial.
0: So your take on it would be um, try to stuff your doubt down and, and just claim it by faith or... You're saying, it sounds like you're saying, if you have questions about scripture or about God or about reality of, of spirituality, that it's okay to have those doubts. And maybe even the church should be an environment where, where we not celebrate those doubts, but at least we are you know, realizing that they're important for us because they drive us on to, you know, doubt oftentimes is the starting place mm-hmm. for, for increased faith and growth
1: yeah Um, absolutely and you
0: encourage you encourage a kind of doubt like uh, you let the young people let the students ask questions and feel free to have those questions rather than feeling guilty for having them
1: right yeah i I wouldn't say come on everybody let's have doubt but (laughs) just knowing that doubt is naturally going to rise right because in jude it says um have mercy on those who doubt and there's not one Christian who hasn't struggled with doubt before, but there's this, um, misconception that within church, you know, if if you start asking, well, like, why would God, you know, command such a thing or, or, um, how could it be possible that all the animals fit on Noah's Ark kind of thing, you know, that, that these are real questions that they, they want to know answers to and, and to, Kind of shame them. Not that uh, churches do that, I'm I'm not saying they do, but uh, for the teenager they at least feel like they might be shamed if they have doubts. So um, I always like to uh, start by saying, you know, uh, after I give my presentation, we're going to do 20 minutes of Q&A. Ask whatever question you want, whatever um, comes to the top of your mind, or it could be something that you've been struggling with for a long time. And oftentimes they'll tell me this is a question that I've been struggling with for a long time. And I find that interesting. I don't think the church is saying, uh, you know, don't ask questions, don't doubt. But I, I do know that there, are, there is this impression that they can't ask questions and they can't express their doubt.
0: Yeah. You seem to be speaking about more um, like a Christian audience. Um, the- right. Are, there, are, there diff- are they different? Are they different problems, different questions being asked, like on a maybe in a secular campus, as a or among Christian students? Like you know, for instance, somebody somebody that is you know is not raised in a Christian home probably not going to ask the question about Canaanites because they don't probably know who they are. You know, and you mentioned earlier that they're you know they're reading the Bible and, and so like that. that. those would be more uh, kids growing up in a Christian home. Is that correct?
1: Sure. Yes. Yeah.
0: Okay. So let's talk about that first. So in in the Christian in a Christian culture, Christian home, Christian school students that go to Christian church. Um, so they're asking questions. It sounds like the first thing you said then was that it had to do with the, um, authenticity, uh, of scripture that, you know, is, is, is scripture reliable. And then it sounds like there's a second question in there as well. If it is, if this is an infallible word of God, then what kind mm-hmm. of God does these kind of things, um, allows ch- children to be killed, cattle, sheep, um, mm-hmm. or, you know, uh, the, you know, some of these things that seem, uh, you know, pretty horrific in, in our worldview. Uh, mm-hmm. so, so that, that's the number one thing you think it is that just, is, 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 doesn't that go to the, the, the bigger question of, uh, you know, if God is good, uh, how can he allow evil?
1: Is that, yeah, there's, that? yeah, definitely. There's, there's a, a mixture of uh, difficult passages within the Bible. And then that kind of leaking over into how can God allow evil or why, why is there suffering and evil if a good, loving, uh, merciful God exists? And um, so, and that, that also is actually in a way uh, divided between um, the main questions that Christian teens are asking and the, the main Challenges and objections that non-Christian teens are are asking. So, um, the, the most of my work is with Christian teens, but I've I've read a lot of statistics that say that a main objection uh, for non-Christian teens is that God uh, or there's too much evil in the world, so God doesn't exist. Um, mm-hmm. So, so in a way, that's that's the main objection or the main challenge for both Christian teens and non-Christian teens. Uh, in one way, it's connected to um, why there's evil, why there's suffering. Um, so, so for let's let's go back to the, the Christian teen problem <laughs> with with all of these difficult challenges. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll take that example of God commanding the Canaanites to be to be wiped out. Um, so, I, I think it's really helpful to go to culture and context, of course. Uh, don't just read it and skip over it, but there's really good answers uh, to these difficult passages. And when you read into the Canaanite culture, um, you see how wicked and detestable, you know, God God says their practices were detestable. Uh, and so you say, okay, well, well, why were they detestable? What did they do? Um, and there's been scholarly research that shows they they practiced uh, incest and bestiality and homosexuality and even child sacrifice that um, that these children were actually living in a very unstable culture you know they 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 see um, the violence of of their their parents and um, all of this idolatry and they didn't know if they were be they would be next to be sacrificed Um, that was that was a major practice uh, in Canaanite culture. And, and so um, God's main reason for Israelites to wipe out the Canaanite culture was so that Israel, Israel would not adopt the practices of, of Canaan. They, they wouldn't, you know, have idolatry and, and child sacrifice. So God says, wipe out everything that breathes. Uh, so, so I gave this answer to a student once. She asked me, you know, I I've been struggling with this question for months. Uh, why did God command the men, women, and children to be killed? Um, so I said, well, this this was an awful culture. You know, nobody nobody would want to live in this circumstance. And uh, naturally, the next question rises up. Well, couldn't they? Couldn't the Israelites just adopt the? Canaanite children, um, and of course, you know, I, I think <laughs> there's a lot of assumptions and speculation that we could play out there. But if God says, you know, if you leave them alive, you'll you'll start doing their practices, then we can believe that they would start practicing Canaanite culture. Um, but but there's many other things to that as well. You know, my my professors who did a lot of I study at Biola University. Uh, My professors did a lot of work on what the problems would have been of of adopting these Canaanite uh, children into the Israelite culture and um, from what they've seen just in um, their work with foster care is that adopted children just have this of course insatiable longing to know who their biological parents are and um, how how complicated and how traumatic would that be for these these Canaanite adopted children to learn that their Israelite parents uh murdered their Canaanite biological parents you know there's there's complications there and, and um it, it just the more you study into it the more you see it's an impossibility and if i could just make one last point i think Sure. That um, we could also paradoxically see God's grace towards these children and that for hundreds of years, this ongoing detestable practice of children being sacrificed and idolatry and incest, all of this happening, God, God cuts it off. And um, I, I believe that children inherit eternal life uh, if if they are are killed as as children, um, you know, Jesus says that uh, Let the little children come to me for they will inherit the kingdom of heaven um, So in, in a way in a very strange way uh, these children um, though, they were killed they immediately inherited eternal life instead of You know growing up to practice the same same things that their parents practiced and then being um, uh, guilty of eternal damnation, so uh, nevertheless it 's a very difficult passage um, but it just shows with with research and just understanding this these culture and the context around these difficult passages, you can see there's there are answers we don 't just have to skip it
0: yeah yeah, and the fact that you number one, as you spoke about doubt thats that 's a good point, so that when you read that passage you know, whether you're a, a pastor or a professor or a, a seventh grader, the, you know, it's okay to read those passages with like scratching your head and go like, that doesn't yeah. sound right. Um, rather than going with, well, I'm a, I'm a church person. So I know it doesn't sound right, but I'm not supposed to ask. So I'll just skip over it. And then it kind of gets, then it gets sort of like submerged into a subconscious doubt towards God mm. uh, or, a, or a lack of, confidence and trust is he really good because he's kind of i remember some of his stuff i read about that he's done in the past but you know and then when you ask those questions to find out there actually are some things that 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 is that, that is different about that than we might read in if you were reading that in the in a headline newspaper uh, you know culture a goes into culture b and says culture b is uh vile and wicked and they you know they're cannibals so we're going to wipe them all out uh, you know, you would you would label them a terrorist group, ISIS, things mm-hmm. like that. You know, so so you read that with with the modern lens, and you go like, well, it sounds like God's the head of you know some terror organization that goes right. You know, because I'm sure ISIS, when they look at America, they go like, you know, heathen, uh, sexually perverse, middle, uh, morally impure, and so like let's kill them. That's like seems mm-hmm. justified, mm-hmm. and so so you're stuck in that place. But for me, because I, I asked those questions,
1: mm-hmm. and I
0: realize th- there's there's a difference between culture A, fighting culture B or B, fighting back culture A, than the God of all creation, the God of all wisdom, knowledge, power, authority, the God who is to be revered, loved, and respected when when he is uh, bringing judgment on a culture, that that is not murder, it's not terrorism, that's that's justice. Right. And that's God's saying, you know, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. And, you know, we, we have moved away so dramatically from believing anything can be anything but love and tenderness and kindness mm-hmm. uh, and not seeing the, the nature, character and attributes of God, that God is just, that God does bring judgment. And I was reading, I've been reading the book of Jeremiah lately and, you know, just throughout the whole book, every time Jeremiah prophesies about what's going to happen to Israel, God doesn't say, you know, these Egyptians are going to get you if you don't repent, or the Babylonians are going to, you know, lay a siege against you, and you're going to get in a famine. So be careful. He yeah. says, I'm going to bring a siege, you know, against you. I'm going to bring the Egyptians. I'm going to have the Babylonians come, and I'm going to have the king Nebuchadnezzar attack you, and there'll be plague, and there'll be famine. And there'll be mm-hmm. you know, uh, that that God uses, that God uses His judgment, for eternally good purposes,
1: mm-hmm. and.
0: I think to a large degree, our minds will never fully comprehend that uh, because because we have a, a very different sense of justice than God has. Mm-hmm. He's other than us. He's higher than us. He sees things that we don't see. I think you you've suggested some things that I think are glimpses of what God could see, like mm-hmm. like what could happen to these children? What would the future be? What if they were inculturated with the Israelites? What would happen to Israel? Um, mm-hmm. you know, and of course, God wanted to protect Israel because... Israel was the only true representation of God on earth. And so if yeah. they got um, if they got wiped out by enemies or if they got so um, immersed in the cultures around them, that's why God's judgment was so fierce when they did that, then there would be no testimony on earth to God's love or his power, or his grace, his goodness, his mercy, or, <clears throat> or the lineage of things to come that even as we read the, uh, lineages that you know led up to Christ that he kept that pure line in the house of David. So there, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot, a lot to say there. But I'm glad you're saying that it's it's okay to ask those things, and I'm glad you're working hard to come up with answers and then sharing. I might recommend that mm-hmm. not only somebody like yourself um, studies and comes up with answers or tells them an answer, but but actually you're teaching them as well. Like like they're they're mimicking you or copying you. Like oh Evan, you had these questions. Uh, yes. your dad Gary he had these questions, and he didn't stuff them, hide them or rent from them, or start denying his faith. He probed them, looked to God, and God uh, showed himself stronger than you ever thought, and more powerful and yes. more even at times more vengeful than we thought. the God of wrath is is certainly a reality it's it's in mm-hmm. from you know from uh being expelled from the garden to noah's ark to mm-hmm. to uh, the Egyptians being. Covered in the Red Sea when the walls came down. uh, To then people say, "Well, no." But in Jesus's time, you know, vengeance (laughs) and wrath went away. Mm. But we see Jesus speaking about, you know, he prophesied that in AD seventy, he didn't say the date, but he said in this within within this generation, um, you know, these walls, not one stone will last upon another, and you better run to the hills because, you know, something is coming, uh, judgment Mm -hmm. is coming on Israel. And so, even Jesus was like was prophesying after the cross, there would still be these things that may seem harsh to you, but for my divine purposes are, are good. And then even on into the Book of Revelation, you see right. this incredible, incredible thing. So, mm-hmm. so um, besides that, uh, what would be the second one? Besides the, you know, God, uh, you know, doing these things that seem mm-hmm. uh, unusual at least to us. Is there other ones that? Uh, students are wrestling with today
1: yeah uh, it, it can uh, come from um, Christians as well that uh, this this question of uh, why God allows evil or suffering but again I've seen I've seen uh, just in my research that that's one of the main objections that non-christians have um, mm-hmm. towards towards God is is uh, if God is you know who everybody says he is of, of this loving, compassionate God. Um, then why, then why did my friend die? Or you know why why am I sick all of the time? Why do we see violence? Um, and and so all of these questions they they come from um, they they kind of fall under this context of of the problem of evil as philosophers and atheists and theists will debate it uh, over the. centuries they they've defined it as you know if if God is all-powerful then he can stop evil if he's all-loving then he would want to stop evil yet evil exists so therefore there's there's no God that's that's the physiological philosophical term of the problem of evil but um, it all these questions they they fall under that that context and and so I, I see of course, uh, Christian teens ask this, these kind of questions too. Um, you know, uh, I got asked, you know, why, why does God um, allow children to be aborted and or, or babies to be aborted? Why, what happens to um, children when they die? So, so these these all fall under the same context, and uh, as such, there there's many different ways to answer it. You could answer you know, one question at a time, or you could give a general, overarching um, response. Um,
0: What's your general overarching response to, you know, because the 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 specific questions, you know, can have some specific nuances to it. But there's there's pretty much a general theology, philosophy. Mm-hmm. Um, that that is. What, what is your take on that? Because it's, I mean, it's going to be hard to do in, in the short podcast, but just just in a nutshell what how do you address the issue of you know if god is if god is good why is he either allowing evil or sometimes like as we've been talking about the canaanites is the one who's actually initiating not yeah. evil but initiating things that seem evil to us right how how do you deal with that uh, did you call him a theophany is that is that the technical term? Uh,
1: the yeah uh, theodicy, theophany. Theodicy. yeah yeah, uh, a response um, for for why God allows evil. My favorite passage to go to um, is is uh, in Luke 13, 1 through five. Luke thirteen one through five. Jesus actually gives his answer for why God mm-hmm. allows evil and suffering, and so he's teaching, and there's uh, all these people with him, and some of them say. Um, there were there were some present at that very time who told him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. Um, so apparently there, there were these Galileans and, and Pilate murdered them and then he you know did this very strange thing of uh, mingling their blood and um, that Jesus's response is so so blunt it almost seems a little harsh but let's see what he said uh, in verse 2 he says, um, do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans uh, because they suffered in this way? He says, no, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all w- you will all likewise perish. Or those 18 on whom this Tower of Siloam fell and killed them, do you think that they were worse offenders than all the others who lived in Jerusalem? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. So, Pretty bleak. That's a pretty uh, gruesome answer, but what Jesus is trying to get across is that um, uh, that this this suffering and death is always equated to sin. That that death is the result of sin, and um, usually when people suffer or they see other people suffer, it's you know how could this happen, or why did this happen? And uh, maybe even thinking, well, they they were just really terrible people, and so they kind of got what they deserved. Jesus is saying that because of sin, all of us uh, deserve death. Essentially, um, you, you know, again, that's that's a harsh part of the answer, but that's that's just the beginning part of it. You know, in Genesis. God promised Adam and Eve if they eat of the fruit that they would die and and God didn't give qualifications of how they would die he he just said you will die if if you eat of the fruit and so there's been death ever since Adam and Eve um, and we experience it in a multitude of ways um, but but that doesn't necessarily mean that because we suffer that we're, we're being punished you know we, sin brought in death and that's the reality that we live in uh, but I think it's also important to, to note that uh, just because you're suffering or you experience evil doesn't mean you're you're being punished for sin you know there was a lot of righteous uh, people who suffered I mean you go to you go to Job uh, Job suffered right as a righteous man uh, Joseph his, his suffering had uh, so much benefit for saving his, his own people, um, and he did nothing wrong, but he, he still suffered. And and then, of course, you go to Jesus, who, who was the only one who didn't deserve death. He was the only one who didn't sin, but he, he suffered as a righteous person for the sake of others um, to actually bring salvation and be the only hope for this humanity who has brought sin and death upon themselves. Um, That I think is the most powerful, the most uh, amazing, the most um, beautiful answer that we could ever see within scripture is that the only one who didn't sin, who's not worthy of, of punishment or suffering took on the full punishment, took on the full wrath of God on the cross um, suffered uh, for for everyone so that anyone who believes in him uh, actually has a way out of the the um, eternal consequences of sin. Right now we're in a reality that experiences the temporal consequences of sin, but Jesus paid this full price to to allow um, a new and brilliant and beautiful eternal life. Uh, um, last, last point on this too, and I think this is uh, one of the, the most important to, to add with the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus is that he bought us eternal life. You know, we, we now have the right to be called children of God. Um, and without eternity, there really isn't uh, hope through your suffering you know if you just suffer and die <laughs> there's there's not a lot that you can say about it but it's so important to put things in perspective with eternity um because this is just such a small sliver of time compared to being with christ for all of eternity and and the fact that um scripture god promises uh to to give us his kingdom, not that we're not just going to live forever with him, but that he, he will give us all things. He will, we will inherit his kingdom, and it says that we will reign with Christ for eternity. Um, so I, I think this is why the Apostle Paul could say, uh, "For this light, momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory." Uh, he he knew. What waited awaited for him, he knew about eternal life um, and how glorious it was, and that's why he could say this light momentary affliction, you know, no one knew suffering better than than Paul if you look at his life um, and so just that perspective of what it would be like to um, reign with Christ forever, how it would uh, add perspective to to our present circumstances
0: yeah well, it's good content that uh, I can see that can be really uh, freeing and liberating and helpful to students to parents mm-hmm. who are concerned about their kids who are mm-hmm. starting to doubt or questioning God or you know stop going to church or mm-hmm. you know, kind of get into that prodigal lifestyle these These are mm-hmm. some answers that I think can equip the student directly themselves and also can help parents when they're dealing with this. Uh, we're going to come back next week, uh, Evan, and have you back because there's so much more to talk about. A couple other issues uh, that mm-hmm. students are dealing with uh, as well as sort of what you're doing with Faith Answers, a great ministry out of World Challenge and uh, mm-hmm. kind of what, what, you know, what stirred your heart to get involved in this kind of uh, ministry. But uh, I'm glad you were clear, clear. You're very clear there. That was, you know, that, that uh, mm-hmm. because of the fall of man, uh, you know, we live in a world that even God spoke clearly about it. You know, the ground would be cursed and there'd be pain and childbirth There, there's consequences of sin. Um, but I, I'm, I'm thankful that you were clear uh, to say that's like, not everyone who's sick or in pain or suffering is because of their particular sin. You know, like mm-hmm. the question they asked Jesus, like Did this man sin or his parents. And right. Jesus, you know, neither, uh, but it was for the glory of God. It's quite a, quite an ultimate answer as well, right in, in itself, that ultimate God gets glory out of this. Like Joseph, when mm-hmm. Satan and, and those who are living in sin intended it for evil, but the Bible says God intended it for good. And that word intention there is a very strong word. It's not sort of a, a reactionary word like, oh, Satan did this. What's my counter move? It's like God had that, intended that move to be made mm-hmm. so that he, his move would bring even greater glory, that these things will work together for good those that love God are called according to His purpose. So, Evan, thanks for being yeah. with us this week, and we'll uh, we'll take a break here, and then uh, come back next week, and look forward to an- and have you answering some more questions about Faith Answers. Thanks, Evan Wilkerson, for being with us today.
1: All right. Thanks, Dad. Thanks for having me.
0: The Gary Wilkerson Podcast is brought to you by World Challenge, transforming lives through the message and mission of Jesus Christ. Each week, this podcast reaches thousands of listeners. This critical work is made possible by the generous contributions of individuals like you who believe in World Challenge's mission. Thank you for listening and supporting.